I always think that creativity should be the driver. And if you allow creativity to be your driver, then you end up in a lot of different places. As soon as you think that everybody's smarter than you in the room, then they are smarter than you in the room. Hello and welcome to The Future of Work, the podcast that looks at, yes, you've guessed it, The Future of Work. It's brought to you by Wanda for their blog, Chaos and Rocket Fuel. Wanda are productivity and human behavior specialists who use technology to help us humans on our digital journey from disruption to transformation. For more information, you can check out their website. That's WNDYR.com. If it's your first time here, welcome. And if you're returning, then nice to see you again. I'm Doug Folks, and along with Wanda CEO Claire Haydar, we regularly meet up with industry experts and mavericks to get their take on work in the future. In this episode, we connect with Selwyn Razor, a capitalist with a socialist agenda. Selwyn is currently active in real estate and investment, as well as harbour towing in the Gulf of Mexico. She started her career on the trading floors of New York and London before returning home to Texas. Her passion for helping underprivileged women and children was deepened after traveling with UNICEF USA to Uganda and Nepal. Claire, all yours. Like politics, the financial backbone of any country is one of those major levers that if you could significantly overhaul it, you could make serious change happen at a highly theoretical level, because we know this is, you know, it's not something that's going to happen. It's it's not one of those issues that, that changes overnight. It's years and years of work. But if we could overhaul the entire financial backbone of America, how would you do it? And how would you do it in such a way to bring about very specific changes? I don't think I would ever want to you know, overhaul the entire financial backbone because I think the backbone, and obviously it's my opinion, I think the, the backbone is our driver. I mean, that's what allows us the stability. I mean, that's what allows you know, the U.S. to be, you know, again, we got to stop. We're looking at the, the current chaos. This example that was given to me resonated and it made it easy for me to explain to different people because... You know, if you look at capitalism like, uh, uh, I'm just going to say, a sporting thing like, like a football game, you want the players to be on the field, uh, you know, being aggressive, being dynamic, being energetic, and competing. And, but you need rules and regulations that are enforced to keep it fair. And if you have too many regulations, then the game gets slow, and it loses its you know, dynamic factor and it's, it doesn't have the energy. Make the rules, the right rules at the right time with the right amount of people uh, enforcing them. And then you, could re- you can have capitalism that is a fair fight and you know, endless creativity and energy and can le- lead, us, lead us forward and I think Right now, if you looked at regulation, I mean, I, I do think, right, you, you, we need, you know, there are a lot of monopolies and there's too much income discrepancy and there's too much, you know, there's, there's not enough regulation on, you know, uh, 
what the, the lowest employees make. And, and then there's not enough, you know, healthcare has become a cost that has strangulated a lot of um, companies. Healthcare costs and healthcare are a main, are a, a real problem in the, with the financial backbone right now. And I think that if you change, and some of the you know, regulations on uh, paid you know, maternity leave and paid leave and, uh, and company pay and you know, so incentives and people making, you know, the CEO making you know, a billion times more than the employee. But you know, I, am a, I am a capitalist and I'm not, you know, I just think that the regulations you know, need to be need to be tweaked and enforced, and you know, uh, making it a more a fairer playing field. And I think that will allow the U.S. to do what that what 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 Americans naturally do, which is they're bold. They 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 try things. And they're not afraid to fail. They're you know, like and and that's it, it, it is the you know living in Europe and seeing that you know and and spending time in Asia. I see that's what. That's what, what Europeans admire of Americans. They're not afraid. They're, they learn how to, you know, public speak. They learn how to stand up and, 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 and have confidence, even if they shouldn't have confidence to do something. So I, I, I don't, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it drives Europeans nuts when they're like, they don't even, she doesn't even know, you know, he doesn't even know what he's talking about, but he goes up there and he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, and everybody believes him. And they I go, well, that's part of the game, right? So, I mean, that's, and that's like, and so you don't want to, you, you don't want to take that part out of, uh, of, you know, out of our, our, our financial backbone, you know, not being afraid to, to, to fail and not being afraid to file bankruptcy and not, you know, that's also what makes, yeah. makes America, you know, strong and, and what drives our economy. It fascinates me. You are fully capitalist and you, and you really do drive that agenda, but your work is so social. And so you, you can see your entire life work and the way you're constructing your life. It's like, let's bring the good of socialism into the capitalist framework and let's find that moderate in between. That, that's a good place for the world to be in. Right, and I think that's, that is, you know, that is the U.S. Like, if you looked at yeah. a lot of the programs that we rely on, they're, you know, Social Security, these are socialist programs, free education, right? And people forget that it's just a continuum, right? I mean, we're, you know, like, it's not like we're left and right. We're, we're all in this continuum somewhere, right? And it's like, and we're always kind of fighting back and forth, you know, like, it's not like you know, adding um, you know paid maternity leave is going to make us all like you know, or increasing it or you know family care like all of a sudden we're in a communist country. I mean that's not that's yeah. not where we are, right? And then people are like oh and, and so and I think at every step like oh should we have should you know community two years of community college be free? I mean that that what's the difference between going to high school and then really thinking about two more years of school to educate your workforce, right? It's not, it's 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 just somewhere on the continuum. We're never going to be a, a socialist country. It's just not in our it's not in our nature. It's not in our, in our yeah. Selwyn, so turning to this this upcoming election, um, there's a lot on the line and. I want to zero in specifically in terms of how this election can dramatically impact the future of work because naturally our customers, our clients, our audience who listens to this podcast, you know, that's, that's why they're tuning in. 
share your thoughts. What exactly is on the line regarding work with this upcoming election? I, I guess I'm going to think about it as, you know, looking at it from my with my Texas lens on, and then uh, maybe a little bit more nationally. I mean, I think what we are seeing, and I think what a lot of companies are preparing for, are that that the Democrats will likely win, and and then you know, obviously they're going to get more seats in the House. They're going to. Look, if you looked at the current polling and like, you know, Biden will win and Kamala and, you know, Senate could also flip. And then in Texas, you know, we are, you know, we are nine seats away from flipping the Texas House. And that will also be a um, an important election because then it will no longer just be a, a, a straight red state. Mm -hmm. I think what what is going to be for the future of work is that we are we are moving left we are moving towards uh you know a, a more environmentally focused but if you looked at what you know how is that going to affect te te texas versus massachusetts is is, is going to be is going to be different so i do think that um what happens with health care we, we've got to assume that it there will be a change in allocation of money more towards more towards healthcare, probably less towards you know military. That's kind of uh, what I think going forward. But I think also if you looked at what maybe not is getting as much attention you know outside of kind of uh, Democrats is that what the, the dynamics. So let's say the Democrats do have you know they win all three three sides. Then it's a, a fight of where, where are we within the Democratic Party. The last class of uh, Democrats that came in, in the House, a lot of them came from swing states. So a lot of them came from swing districts that are not liberal districts. They're mostly moderate districts and with many more conservatives in the district than, than liberals. And so you're kind of creating, you know, for the first time in a long time, a really a moderate Democrat base. And as long as they have um, a stronghold or, or as large of a class as they did in the 2018 election, I think it'll be a, a slower move to the left than mainly because of, of swing districts and many moderates actually voting Democrat as opposed to Republican. So I think you got to expect that you know many of the policies are going to go left, but uh, there will be a battle internally, and hopefully we don't waste, you know, in, in fighting and, and, and not get much done in the first two years. Do you believe that that equality that you're fighting for, you know, you, the words you used was, this is my battle. Do you believe that they're critical to work specifically, to jobs? I do. I think if you looked at you use example. I mean, let, let's look at countries where there's more or and then you could look at it specifically as states where there's more uh, equality, you know, uh, representation of women. You see that, you know, the economies that have more women and, and government positions and leadership positions, you know, they're a more vibrant economy. So I, you can't say that, I mean, 
I can't remember the fact exactly, but something like, you know, a third of our women in, in Texas in childbearing years are at the poverty line. And so they raise children at the poverty line. And then what does that do? We, we think about the, what the children at the poverty line in Texas, just being specific to Texas, what's happening with their education right now? You're losing an opportunity. So the same thing if you looked at companies moving to Texas, I'm involved in you know, uh, real estate, and you see that you know, they don't come, a lot of them are like, oh, the land's cheap, you know, there's lots of, you know, the regulations, you know, taxes, but a lot of the high-tech ones don't come because we don't have the, the high-tech, well-educated, abundant workforce. We can't ignore that percentage of women or, you know, lack of access to health care or, you know, Planned Parenthood, what that, what that does to women and then what it does to their children. It's kind of like, it's, it's the fabric that ties everything together, and when that falls apart, everything falls apart. Well, it's also, yeah, and it's, it's short-term versus long-term. I mean, you can say, um, oh, it's, and again, you, there, there are numerous studies, like just looking at, uh, I think UNICEF uh, published this, or that, you know, like, just an example, if women are at the peace table, you know, uh, after a war, it's a more lasting peace agreement. Now, what, you know, like the peace accord lasts longer. They've just they've shown studies of saying that. You know, it makes it makes. I mean, the diversity works. You know, there's a reason why it's important. Again, it goes back to your teamwork. You know, the better your team, and the stronger you are, and you're and you're stronger with with more. You know, voices challenging you. I really think that having female and uh, diversity and LGBTQ plus representation, you know, makes for a better workforce, makes for a more innovative uh, workforce and, you know, more possibilities. So, and thank you for, for those comments. It's very enlightening from my side, certainly. I'd like to take you back in years. Um, could you describe for us the world of work that you inhabited, certainly on Wall Street, why that bothered you maybe and what eventually led you to, to exit from it? I went from, I was an economics major at Duke University. I wanted nothing more than to, to work in New York City because why wouldn't you want to work in New York City when you're in your 20s? It's so exciting. I worked on a, as an analyst in mortgage-backed trading and I ended up being a junior trader on the mortgage derivative desk. At the time, I thought it was extremely exciting and, and being the only female trader and, you know, being tasked at age, you know, given, you know, at age, I think I was 25 and being able to, you know, commit capital, you know, in the millions of the dollars just with my, with my voice, you know, giving a price on something. You know, it's 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 kind of a, a awesome responsibility with that, and and it definitely it, it taught me a lot. And then moving to London, doing the same thing, I, I switched companies, I switched products. My Rich, who's my husband, he had he had moved out a year earlier, and we were long distance dating. So I decided to take a chance and and get a job in London. And my my kids say that. I was chasing him, but maybe I was. He was, he was 
<laughs> I think they have a word for it now. Like, but he was, you know, why not? He was, and I remember a, a, a friend of mine, you know, as a female mentor pulled me aside in New York when I was trying to decide whether I should go to London or not, or maybe he should come back and work in Chicago. And, you know, she just gave me a great long-term view. She basically said, look, you could stay here and your, your, you know, your career here is, 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 is great, but you could also go to London and who knows, like open your mind. You, you, you know, you could do different things and your opportunities could be greater. And, and again, if you're gonna be living in, in London and traveling Europe with your, with your future husband and having really lots of good memories and, and you know, like why not? And I'm thinking, yeah, why not? Let's instead of being take a risk, you know, you take a risk and, and, and try it. And so when I moved to London, it was eye-opening because it was a different culture, it was a different product, working on a same thing. Not only are you one of the only female, the only female trader, you're like the only female American Texan as well. So it, you know, I was there for 10 years and, you know, working for a European company versus a U.S. was different. I got a lot of, you know, experience working within, you know, I, at the end I had, you know, people who reported to me that lived in France, who lived in Germany, who lived in Italy, who lived in Hong Kong, you know, and in Holland. And, and it, it contributed to my cultural understanding and understanding working in teams and also the difference of, uh, you know, when you're looking at politics, looking at, you know, how to, how to do business and, and how too much legislation in, in France can really make things really challenging. So companies make decisions of not investing in France because they, they don't know if they can get in or out or they can make, you know, uh, changes easily and versus same thing doing it in Italy. And then sometimes, you know, so it, it allows you to kind of understand the different, uh, different ways that government and business work together and, and, and how we work across on teams like that and culturally how you, how you integrate uh, different teams together too. There are obviously some elements that, that weren't, that I look back on and say, okay, so that, maybe that person wasn't you know, such a great person and, and, and maybe that, you know, there were, there, there were plenty of sexist issues that happened, but in general, I found it as a, uh, a very important part of my life that actually drove me and, and helps me today in, in doing things that aren't always for profit. I see a lot of parallels in my own life where technology was very much kind of seen as like the place that I would never go to. And, and interestingly, like Wall Street, the technology interest, industry has a lot of those similar things. You know, there's a lot of sexism, you know, there's there's definitely some bad players in it, etc. But as you say, there's equal amounts of good and so much to learn and, and take forward from. And like you, um, you know, it was kind of like one of those areas where I didn't ever see myself there. I landed, I landed there um, very much by a series of, of accidents, which are very happy accidents now when I look back on them. And it's, it's incredible how it's actually formed the foundation of everything I'm starting to do now and starting to invest in now. So, yeah, I think, you know, it comes back to that, that first point that you made. I think when you wake up, and allow creativity to kind of navigate you, you end up in these places where you're just open to learning. 
You're one of the most flamboyant, outspoken characters in my world. And, you know, if somebody asks me, you know, well, what does Salwin do? Or you simply can't be pigeonholed into anything. You're everywhere, but the places where you are, it's places that really matter. Well, thank you for that, Claire. I, I, I appreciate being the most flamboyant, outspoken person in your world. I'm not quite sure if that's always positive, but I'm going to take it as positive. Um, what drives me is, strangely enough, creativity and doing different things. So if you looked in my, you know, how I grew up, I grew up in Fort Worth. I went to Duke, I was not too creative. I was an economics major, but I had a, um, I was one class away from being a, a double major in art. And I always think that creativity should be the driver. And if you allow creativity to be your driver, then you end up in a lot of different places. And you end up in places where you don't necessarily, you know, imagine yourself being, but it also allows you to be very flexible. And as you get, you know, as you kind of go through this, uh, life, the more flexible and the more creative you are, the more enjoyable your life is. And so I would say that really creativity drives me and creativity can be found in, in what some people might say, you know, boring work or doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to be creating, you know, installations of uh, flamboyant artwork, but it, it can mean in a lot of different things. It can mean being on a, on a board of a charity and, and creating uh, different ideas on how to raise money or different ways to include people. And it can be bringing groups together, different uh, parts of your life and creating something new. So when you're a mom and your children are entering a very new world of work, one that just a few months ago, I don't think any of us were truly imagining. And I'm curious because your kids are at very, very interesting ages. I think they fall into the age group that's really feeling the impact of the world that we're currently moving in. Shed some light on, you know, some of the conversations that are happening at home. What are you and Rich preparing them for? In some ways, you look at what's happening now and it shouldn't be that much different than what you are always preparing them for because we all knew that only thing in a lot of ways what the pandemic has done is it's just accelerated the world by 10 years i think so it's accelerated technology it's accelerated um like just how you know global health is going to be delivered so it's it's i don't think you should look at it as all of a sudden we're in this new Dilemma. I think this is what you sh we were preparing our kids for from the beginning. And I take a lot of that from, it started out at, our children here in Dallas went to the Lamplighter School. And if you looked at their, their mission, you know, they first were leading with, you know, creativity and, you know, teamwork and, and having confidence to do something. And if you kind of focus on all those things, you'd look in this, situation that we have now, this challenge, and you can face it with, okay, we've got to be creative. We've got to figure out ways for you to engage in the class or opportunities that maybe you didn't have before, but now you do because you're, you're at home and, and you, we, you have more potentially free time or, you know, we can spend time in a different location or doing thinking differently than, than what we did before. And the same thing with, um, 
teamwork, and I say teamwork, a lot of times when you hear teamwork, you think like sports teams. And and I I was never some great athlete, so I, I don't always think of it in sports teams, but when you're working in a group, when you're working in a team, you're more powerful than alone. And so it's important for you, uh, for us to understand that being in a team sometimes means that you might be doing 90% of the work on something, or you feel that way, but it, it makes sense for you to give credit to somebody else because then you're, you're more powerful together than you are alone. And I think that's a real difficult um, challenge or concept for children or even adults to understand because we, we think we're all rewarded for what we've done and what we've uh, accomplished. But in life, you're really a, rewarded for what your team and your, and your, mm. your, your greater group does. And then the last thing is just the confidence. You've got to have the confidence uh, no matter what you do. That, and I do think this, uh, I mean, I was asked this one time at a UNICEF conference by some, some young professional women, what advice can you give to young women in the workforce? And I said, you know, really having confidence, understanding that when you walk into a meeting or you walk onto, a, you know, you get on a Zoom call or you're in a, you've got to realize that you've got to accept that you, you are as smart, if not smarter than the people in the room and on the call and have the confidence and not be afraid to speak or add, or add value because you were invited, you're there for a reason. So I think as soon as you think that everybody's smarter than you in the room, then they are smarter than you in the room or in the Zoom call. I know that you spend a lot of time working with female issues and certainly in the political arena. What would you like your long-term impact to be with the work that you're doing? I've always, when I was young and in high school, I always defined myself as a feminism, a feminist and understanding and feeling like that was, that was my battle and to kind of fight for equal rights and equal opportunities. And as I you know, went through Duke and then I went to New York, I worked on a uh, mortgage trading floor and then I went to London and I was a, uh, also a, a fixed income structured products trader and then into investment banking. You know, I kind of looked at it from the workforce. I think through my work through UNICEF and then coming back into Texas, Working in politics, especially like I got involved in, you know, Wendy Davis's campaign back when she was running for governor, I got involved in uh, Annie's List, which is a political pact to help support women, like training them to run for office, helping them run a campaign, helping them when they're actually in office. We are making great strides. The last election, there are a lot more, you know, a wave of women that were elected and I think you know, a lot of our candidates, this, especially in North Texas and across the country, female can't, like, they have a great uh, uh, once in a lifetime opportunity right now to kind of change the face of power. It sounds that you're, you are actively working on a legacy, not something that, you, you know, you're not a sort of person that stands around and let things happen around you. What, what is your legacy plan? I, I don't really think of it as a, as a Legacy, but if I had to take it back to my my grandparents on my paternal side, um, they grew up in my my grandfather grew up in Denton, Texas, moved down to Houston after his law degree, and you know in the 40s and 50s, 
they were very instrumental on kind of fighting anti-Semitism and racism in, in Houston. And my grandfather was on the board of Rice University. He was on the Regents Board of Baylor. And there's a recording of my, my grandmother in, in 1975. Like she raised, even though she was a Baptist, she helped raise money for the synagogue. And she fought to end school segregation. And she had a great quote saying that, you know, people would call and threaten her in the middle of the night. And, you know, she was in River Oaks area, you know, a wealthy area in Houston. And people would spit on her when she, they were trying to end segregation. And she was handing out pamphlets before the school board vote. And so I do think that it's important it inspires me, and sometimes you know you, you think of that, and I'm like, well, no one spit on me today, so I guess I I'm not doing enough. So I guess the legacy is just to try to, without putting stress on your kids and the rest of your your family, just to to encourage them to continue to give back and to continue to try to to um, lead a life that you know will 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 make the world a better place. Selwyn, that is so interesting. I, I didn't realize that about your grandparents. That's, you know, in the conversations that we've had and shared, that hasn't been one of the things that have come up. It's just, it's fascinating that, you know, they were, they were doing that type of work in the time that they were, because it was a seriously difficult time to be doing that work. I think what you're getting at there, but what, what you haven't explicitly said, but I think it's, it's worth calling it out is, I think the stakes today are as high as what they were back then. Yeah, but it also tells and you it's it's not a it's not ending. You know, I, yeah. some people think that oh we we know we did that in the in the '60s, or you know oh uh, you know World War II is over and, and now there are no more anti-Semitic people in the world. No, that's not true, right? It's a it's mm. kind of an ongoing struggle, and it's something that you know it shouldn't and then you shouldn't feel like necessarily overwhelmed right now. Right now, I think a lot of people can feel just like overwhelmed. It's doom and gloom. And it's good to kind of look at history and look at, at the past and say, all right, actually, we're less violent than we were. We're more, I mean, like we keep making progress. And sometimes it's important. Mm -hmm. You get so uh, consumed by, you know, uh, the chaos of today and being, you know, like just look at that one little spot of chaos. But if you, if you step back and you zoom out, you can see that there's so many other times of, of chaos and it's just, it's all, it's, it should be an energy that is, that is motivating us right now as opposed to, um, I should say, uh, overwhelming us. I can talk to you for a very long time, but we do have a hard stop. And so the last question that I, that I want to throw your way today is, where are you currently pulling inspiration from? social energy, the social justice energy, the political energy, that is inspiring right now. And I think um, just the engagement, like the level of conversations you, I have with all, you know, with people about what's happening in our country is, is, is inspiring. And I don't mean like, because, oh, I want everybody to, to, to vote as a Democrat or vote. I mean, I just, People need to get involved, and they need to understand, and they need to take ownership of their decisions. And I think before, and maybe my, you know, more of my generation, 
is that you know we were we we weren't as focused on on public policy and and our our history as much and in, in the effects of the future and i think we are now and our kids are going to be profoundly changed by what's happened now and they're and they're and i don't think they're ever going to not be involved in public policy and understanding and so i find that that inspiring and i think that will lead to you know a better for our environment better for social justice you know a more fair world we will rise like the phoenix out of this and and and, and take a step forward to me that's really inspiring and you can get you can wake up and look at the news and and, and as soon as you pull your phone and you're like oh that's just awful oh my god that that's another just oh, oh i can't even get up and then you got to think all right but hey you know i i also have friends you know groups of friends sending messages saying you know how about like let's let's focus on this how about this idea let's do something and that's just yeah. the energy's inspiring I and mean, it just is salwin thank you so much for this well thank you it's so much fun i appreciate hopefully i didn't go off topic too much no not at all you didn't and I, and i didn't embarrass my kids <laughs> you didn't embarrass your kids they didn't come up once <laughs> well we still have time we can throw in something about him let me embarrass him all right well thank you very much well so and you might not have embarrassed your kids but you've certainly given us plenty to think about thank you if you've enjoyed this podcast and found it of value please don't be a stranger make sure you pop back for more top of mind conversations soon just a reminder for more information about wonder and the integration services they supply you can visit their website that's wndyr.com and so as always from me Doug folks and chaos and rocket fuel stay safe and we'll see you soon